This is the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello all. Welcome to another episode of Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by Armchair Critics of the Game. I'm your host Ajit. Today we have a really interesting guest joining us, well-known sports editor from India, who's uh, by the way very popular on Twitter these days. Hello, Shritama. Welcome to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello, hello, hello. Thanks for having me. No, I think it's our pleasure. So you are one of the rare people I've met who's actually also very much into first-class cricket and Test cricket. So I was reading a tweet today about uh, you know Stuart brought bowling to Alistair Cook and what they achieved when they faced each other and so on. Yeah, it's really been a, an interesting match so far. But I don't the way Essex are playing, I don't even think that they are going to like set a target. And Broad will not bat for the second time. So the only way I think like they give a small target and and uh, Broad like Nottingham open with Stuart Broad. That's the only. <laughs> all right, all right. I mean, I don't see that happening. Because he, I think, bats eight or nine. But I mean, nonetheless, would you want your favorite player to actually face fast bouncers again? Yeah. All right. I think you are braver than. Uh, if I be so open about it, I think you are braver than him about his prospects facing a fast new ball. But anyway. I mean, he is over eight. I think. I think. I. I think Broad is a very. You know, the he he lives in the moment. So. of course it was not a very good thing to have happened to him but it was 2014 i know that trauma lives on but rod has pretty much picked up his batting since the last season and shows he is actually pretty entertaining yeah he was good at batting at one point but now he's like all entertainment no i think he's gone back to being a merry tailender and he has that good hand eye he still has it so it sort of opened yeah. him out he doesn't have the responsibility of looking to bat time Yeah, like his, uh, like his dad, he actually, oh, like he was, used to be an opener till the age of seventeen. So he has quite a flair for batting, but then he knew what what he wanted to become. So he changed. Well, I think uh, nature intervened. <laughs> he shot up. As the story goes, I think between two years in a summer, he became so tall that you know it, it was logical that he try out fast bowling, and that's what he did. <laughs> Probably. But yeah, I mean, I can tell you about the trauma of actually getting hit in the face, and it stays with you for a while. It's not a pretty thing. You might be wearing a helmet, you might not be wearing a helmet, but a bouncer that catches you off guard is not a pretty thing. But I mean, kudos to him that he's come out. Happened to Craig Keys better, right? So I mean, happened to many yeah. accomplished batters as well. You know, there is this uh, story. It's a joke, but it's also an anecdote. We don't know how true it is. So Mike Gatting once got hit in the face by Malcolm Marshall. and when he landed in the airport in the uk somebody asked him where was it that you got hit he had a broken nose so so goes the story that even to accomplish batsman it can happen so i mean i'll not go too much on a tangent but that's why i think pound for pound the best ever opener of all time is a certain mr sunil gavaskar he hit 700s against that west indian pace attack in west indies so that's that says something about his courage how is the covid situation in uh, your part of india ritama So I'm currently in Bangalore, and uh, like people think that Delhi is facing the worst, but that is resources-wise. That's the government's incompetence. But in Bangalore, even I think that's. But then people don't talk about the situation in Bangalore, which is very bad. It has record cases in India. It's the worst, and that's why a lockdown, extended lockdown, has been called. Like it's a complete lockdown. We have been uh, in curfew, like proper, almost a lockdown. for the past 10 days and now it's going to be a complete lockdown so and twitter these days it's so it's so hard to see people suffering i'm like of course i have lost family i have lost friends and yeah my age friends my age so it, it's really traumatic i mean it's i don't know what to say that's very bad to hear that's that's terrible to hear just staying home that's it First of all, my condolences. That uh, you, you tell me something so serious. You lost friends your age. I mean, I recently lost uh, somebody 
a friend i won't call him a friend i would call him an acquaintance he was also as well very young 28 or so that's very tough to you know listen and i don't come from very far away and uh, i i understand and i recognize what you're saying because i lost an uncle as well earlier this week so it's not a nice time yeah i lost i lost an uncle in december i lost my friend also in december he was my age he had other complications but then really sorry to hear that you know what covid uh, does to people with complications and right now people without comorbidities are uh, suffering and it's just so hard to see it's just not what we deserve definitely not this is this is something that i never thought i'd see in life indeed i mean with uh, you know aged relatives close ones living in that part of the world it's very tough it keeps us awake at night sometimes because of the you know yeah you are so far away it's very difficult for you yeah. i can understand we pray to the gods as they are that uh, you know they keep uh, our loved ones safe all our loved ones safe so well look it's such a cruel thing it doesn't even leave anybody because people who probably have enough in their life in terms of facilities and money and other things we recently read that uh, cricketer veda krishnamurthy was bereaved because uh, she lost uh, her mother and sister in a span of two weeks that's that's very terrible isn't it yeah i learned about her sister's demise yesterday she passed away day before yesterday as far as i know and uh, like her mother passed away two weeks ago and it's it's really heartbreaking i cannot put it into words i i fall short of words and she was like after her mother passed away just if you just visit veda's profile twitter profile you will understand how compassionate she is because she's been sharing covid resources for everyone amplifying uh, covid resources so that you know she's using her followers uh, to help people i i cannot imagine like grieving and doing so much for the people i she is she is someone we should look up to. yes totally agree i mean these are our, let's say people who can look uh, whom uh, we can look up to and also there are role models yeah there there are cricketers who have been helping and it's like really i look up to i mean you see somebody is donated 2 crores along with his spouse these are all great yeah. things right so i hope the captain did the indian captain did virat kohli did indeed so when you when you look at all this it is very nice that these people who have the wherewithal who have the facilities who have what uh, you know some people don't in india are able to actually uh, share their resources that's very nice to see and cricket as a community is standing up to sort of do its bit for uh, the rest of the society obviously the big topic for today's conversation is ipl getting postponed i mean i guess it was almost a no brainer the moment uh, multiple multiple teams had uh, positive tests what is what is your take on it i mean was the timing right to postpone it or could it have been postponed earlier do you think basically when ipl's date uh, dates and schedules were uh, announced at that point we had a like we did not have the spike the second wave had not started so the bio bubble usually like bcci's bio bubble is supposed to be very uh, like very strong it's not supposed to be it's impenetrable almost like that's what you think and that's why uh, cricketers chose to come here i mean it's not an easy thing to do but they have done it and like they've played across the world uh, in different bio bubbles england started it first in july last year so that was groundbreaking when india started it the dates the schedules the venues were all decided according to it the second wave had not started then uh, two players from kkr tested positive so at that point a game was uh, postponed but soon enough other cases came up so that forced the suspension uh, so i don't know what what to say about the timing because it's it's really not i don't think bcci even the government did not know that's the point even the indian government were like not ready for it why only blame bcci for it but then like what happened in psl it was uh, crowds were allowed uh, uh, and then one player tested positive and then later on they cancelled when five or six players had uh, tested positive so bcci took a leaf out of the book they did not allow crowds at all and that was one good take very good take because imagine crowds being allowed in the first leg and then i mean it would have been a 
very very bad situation so that was a good day and i mean the virus the second wave is not that easy. i think if it were the first wave this bio bubble wouldn't have been uh, penetrated but it's the second wave it's 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 sparing no but no one indeed i mean the ground situation became as such that you know no bubble is a bubble by itself because they need things on yeah. an everyday basis that they need to use even hotels where they stay and you know their transportation all of these things are not entirely confined within the bubble and there is always some some way in which this infection may get in and that's exactly what happened because the ground situation is quite worse in some of the cities in india even where they were playing for example delhi right it was quite bad and unfortunately multiple people from multiple teams so for example if somebody like uh, the bowling coach of csk balaji tested positive that means probably he's interacted with multiple people he's a, he's in a coaching role right and then you have to also think of how many people csk players may have met outside of you know maybe they had other people staying at their hotel other players that from other teams that they met and it could immediately simply the numbers uh, very difficult to uh, then track so i think it was the right decision for sure and as you say yeah this sort of a contingency i don't think they ever planned for there's no planning for it i would put it like this yeah that's what i i say like the government did not plan the government did not see it coming well i mean we also have some australians who who left because it looks like they did the right yeah. thing they were afraid and um, also certain people yeah zampa put it like what we actually read his first quotes were like misinterpreted because what he said was he felt vulnerable being in the bio bubble he did not say that the bio bubble is vulnerable so of course like he's maybe he saw some things that uh, like made him feel that or maybe he was seeing everything that was going on in india maybe that prompted uh, that action and zampa and kane which are leading that's their personal take and and the clubs uh, i mean the franchise uh, and the boards they have all been cooperative with the players so that's what is important so and bcci is taking full responsibility of the transport of these players so that is also again commendable i think those were things that were already sort of pre agreed i think in case of such a situation for foreign players to even come to india i think they would have had some sort of assurances given to them in terms of through their franchises or through the parent body bcci itself but all of these are good things so the way it ended was not the best result yeah nobody saw it coming it just ended suddenly within like two days mm-hmm. it stopped just the ipl was paused having taken the right call where do you see this the rest of the tournament for 2021 i mean do you think they can be resuming it in i don't know uae one of the a few english counties have banded together they have offered to hold it in the end of september for example is that a window do you think and is that a location do you think we can uh, see ipl completed this year i think uh, counties it's a very good proposition but i don't think that it will be possible it will be feasible everything is correlated the ipl the t20 world cup then the india have to host a series uh, for new zealand against new zealand so there's a lot of things uh, to be thought about and now it's all correlated so i can't make uh, like everything i say will be a speculation or kind of a you know just maybe an opinion but uh, go on see uh, bcci will try its best bcci will try its best to uh, conduct the ipl this year but then one like one tour one tournament will take a hit and of course t20 world cup i i don't think is uh, going to take the hit it has to be conducted if not in india now that is the question where the, will the t20 world cup be conducted again a lot of things depend on UAE is a possible location right it's one of the locations that's come up yeah right i mean if you were to think of it there are a couple of other neutral locations they could think of i mean this is a very very far fetched theory but there are places out there which are cricket famous or are known to cricketers but we could move there uh, we could move our cricketing bandwagon there caribbean islands are still very relatively uh, i think disease free and you could probably host a world cup there if they have the let's say the time to prepare and uh, you know uh, make the facilities available that's another option as well for me but uae seems to be emerging as one of the front runners as far as you know the world cup is concerned i don't know so this is going to be a very tight thing and 
we're going to probably see more than just the world cup being held we got we are also going to probably see how the cricketing world really considers it at least or how bcci considers it considers it. Yeah. go back one step is ipl bigger than the world cup and then would bcci prioritize hosting the rest of ipl maybe in one of these uae or one of these other locations and not really care about the world cup but i think i think they'll strike a balance what do you think um of course they'll try to strike a balance because we have already like the t20 world cup last year that was supposed to be in australia was postponed and now uh, they are holding the seventh edition so uh, like they are going to i don't think uh, it will be pushed further any further because there are like so many schedules to look after because once you touch like tamper with one a uh, window you have to look for another window which becomes very difficult in this scenario because there's bio bubble the bio bubble situation which makes it very difficult for uh, boards to you know conduct a proper tournament like the ipl is half of the ipl is going to take a lot of time the t20 world cup is going to take a lot of time so, and of course there's quarantine so it will be pretty difficult i i can just I, i i don't know how they are going to do it it's, it looks very difficult to me right now even uh, psl is trying not uh, trying but there are speculations that P- psl might be held in the uae but indeed <laughs> let's see i i think uae will host some of the other tournament that is one feeling that i have the franchises have asked that uh, they move the tournament the franchises of pcb yeah. uh, sorry uh, psl in this case have asked that they move the remainder of psl to actually uae but then they are talking of a june window it's sort of in the middle of the summer it's probably very tough to play any cricket there but uh, nonetheless as a place where there is very less let's say occurrence of covid and people are relatively safe in that case you can also expect that you created a bubble and it will last through the tournament so ipl as well as the world cup for all of these places i think uae because of its proximity to the rest of the south asia it could be a viable place as well where uh, these tournaments could be held but really the upcoming couple of weeks are very crucial for me i think i had said on twitter a couple of days ago that how bcci really handles the fallout of this ipl's postponement and its uh, let's say impact on the world cup is going to be very very crucial and also very important in how history will see this specific board and its functioning as far as bcci yeah. is concerned you know ganguly big name a lot of big names in that uh, current people who are at helm yeah it's going to be a very tough decision but also probably will ipl come ahead of the world cup given if there are there's only one window because the same set of players you can expect will probably participate in both set of uh, matches i think it's going to be very tough but uh, this is going to be a really big test of how you know there's enough enough talk about bcci being impartial it's you know icc is called indian cricket league or indian cricket uh, council there are all these jokes that let's say certain friends of ours from south asia Uh, refer to when they are referring to icc and so on but this is going to be a really crucial period as far as i am concerned from bcci perspective you also think if uh, these things are uh, going to be important on how bcci current functionaries are going to come out yeah i think uh, the other tournaments will be you know uh, hosted around the t20 world cup i don't think that the t20 world cup window will be tinkered with that's what i think in this case well i mean i think we should quickly have a chat about the indian squad that came out just a couple of hours ago for the world uh, test championship finals as well as the england tests right so they have uh, you know they have announced a 20 a main squad of 20 with four backups i mean there are not a whole lot of surprises there kl rahul is in and rudiman saha is in subject to fitness of course pandya and kuldeep yadav have not made the squad again i don't see it as a whole lot of surprise only in terms of Hardik Pandya for me it's a bit of a surprise because I was hoping he would be fit enough that he would be able to take part. Yeah. Right. And then of course, well at least Virat Kohli is back. No surprises there. Mm-hmm. But in terms of who else is back, Shami is back, Jadeja is back, and Vihari is back. So when it comes to these three people, sort of you could have expected Vihari is doing the right thing, going there ahead of the Test series, ahead of the summer, playing for Warwickshire. He's sort of showing his skin and also making sure he's familiar with the conditions, right? And then when you look at the squad. well a couple of things for me that stood out but before i go there i would like to have your opinion on what you think whether this is a balanced squad or what going to england see bhuvneshwar kumar's and hardik pandya's exclusion it's like 
understandable i think hardik pandya is still not ready to bowl that's the reason that they have not picked him because the, he was there in the last england tour so now uh, bhuvneshwar kumar uh, like it's because he had an injury uh, during the last ipl and since then uh, so it's taken time for him to recover and then he came back during the white ball leg of the india england series so bhuvneshwar kumar did not have the test game time that's why i think even though this is a world test championship final and england squad like both uh, england test squad like uh, test squad for indian series like both of them combined even even then uh, they have made some choices based on players and their because what happened in australia and then in india itself like the youngsters have done so well and they have done well enough to be undroppable so i think that's why uh, the squads were announced this way I, and it's a jumbo squad they have like taken most of the players kuldeep hasn't been in form for a long time so this was expected and mm-hmm. like ishan sharma being there is like so good ishan sharma uh we shadow the seniors are also there so it's it's a good it's a good squad it's a very good squad the problem is uh, of course bcs headache always the good headache of selecting players from this bunch the good headache look the way the previous uh, tour of australia went probably we should also have a quick chat about the people who've gone as you know uh, backups so there are four names there so one is uh, abhimanyu ishwaran as a opener as a backup because you know when you look at uh, people like mayank agarwal or kl rahul they could be openers but they could also develop as middle order batsmen so you have a bit of cover for the middle order so to say abhimanyeshwaran is the backup uh, opener but there are three other interesting fast bowlers yeah. who made it as you know there is you know prasid krishna no surprise and there is uh, avesh khan again one of the breakthrough seasons as far as uh, ipl is concerned for him yeah, yeah. he's really done well mm-hmm. the third bowler is uh, arzan nagwaswala yeah. he's a gujarat fast bowler but he's a left arm variety so i mean for me it's a bit surprising because he's been chosen ahead of the likes of khalil ahmed no uh, not probably... khalil not khalil jaydevunath not khalil not jaydevunath there you go i was about to hold that back as a joke at the end uh, but you brought his name up much ahead because of all the let's say the teasing that goes on on certain social media sites about um, sir jaydev nathkat no he seriously i mean he led uh, saurashtra to a win i was re- like really heartbroken because bengal lost the final last year anju trophy and he's done so well and he's really really like i know he's a big uh, name in the ipl but i i see him as a first class cricketer very good first class bowler and of course left arm seamers have that you know in them the x factor in them and you would want them in your team and especially in the indian team i don't know why he's not like you know at least he could have been a part uh, of the backups even though he he's not a or not an uncapped cricketer but still i think in the last couple of matches in the ipl if he had come good done something special he could have probably come back into the selectors minds this was the only cricket he had so yeah i mean uh, so i i really feel that uh, prithvi shaw again was not selected again i'm just going back to the batting prithvi shaw not getting selected uh, because of game time okay so he was because of his uh, like he was given one game in australia and he did not do well and then india have relied on shubman gill which is a good thing i would say when you are relying on someone just rely on him for a while so they did not do that with prithvi shaw who is in a good form i'm not uh, even though it's vijay hazare trophy even though it's ipl i would ju- i would just say that uh, like prithvi shaw is that kind of a batsman he's already proven himself in the longest format he's that kind of a batsman you could actually give him a chance but then i think india are sticking to a set of openers and i understand why so again if and again the spritisha uh, is pretty young so he can you know uh, demand his come back to his innings without saying anything so pritisha and jaydev unatkar i just think this is the time that india should have actually gone for jaydev unatkar his experience would have probably helped going into the finals uh, world cup uh, world test championship final he would have really been useful 
Yeah, I don't think uh, Natkar would have been considered for the final because that's the game that England, India are going to play directly. So this is different because in New Zealand are going to play two tests before the final and India are going to play the test after the final. So that's like quite different kind of a thing. So India will go with the players that have performed recently and uh, they'll form uh, the 11 for the World Test Championship there. So uh, about New Zealand. So, uh, so we, I would say we, I call them we all the time. So, we uh, got our squad last month and it's a 20-man squad. Of course, it will be six, uh, like just 16-man squad for the World Test Championship because we have two tests before that, starting on 2nd June. And we had another uh, practice game against Somerset, which has been cancelled because English counties have decided that. So, there will be a intra-squad uh, practice there so in the two tests we'll we have a 20 member uh, team so we can like we have two additions two like three uncapped players but two totally like uncapped players not just in uh test cricket so the uncapped cricketer in test cricket is devin conway and the uh, two uncapped individuals are jacob duffy and rachin ravindra who have done really well uh in domestic so they have been awarded uh, with the with the test follow so that is going to be, of course now this again this narrative is going to come like New Zealand are getting game time just before uh, the World Test Championship in England but India are not getting that but I would say that is that is part of the schedule New Zealand don't even play half of the tests like half of the number of tests that India play regularly we play two tests per series and like they are like few and far between and so game time wise india don't need to worry worry about anything uh, i would say that and uh, new zealand playing tests is so good to see because we don't play as much tests so like the last we played was against west indies and it's it's been a while so that's why i would say that new zealand just getting these two tests will be very important i i can see uh, jacob duffy i don't think he'll get a chance devin conway debut is is uh, like on the cards. He will play one of the tests, at least given that Tom Blundell will be in almost all uh, like Indian fans uh, first 11 for uh, New Zealand. They will select Tom Blundell, but I would like to say that he has not been in form in the past two seasons. There's uh, literally Jeet Rawal who was overlooked after the Australia tour. Jeet Rawal like, has much better average in the Plunkett Shield than Tom Blundell this season. So I would say uh, that Tom Blundell could be overlooked and Devin Conroy could come in his place. Jacob Duffy is a swing bowler. I don't think he has a he has a chance, but he'll get a good opportunity there, bowling there in the nets. And Rachin Ravindra is, uh, is a spinning all-rounder. So again, if uh, New Zealand needs someone to bat, you know, for a... Uh, 11 that bats deep, then they will go for Rachin Ravindra. But even then, I think that is not possible because there is there is Santner, there is Ijaz Patel. And we have an all-round, seeming all-rounder in Colindy Granholm. And even though he won't be in the first 11 of most uh, fans, I guess, but I would say as a New Zealand fan, that CDG is someone that we are not going to overlook. When it comes to swing and seam, I think you would do very well to include somebody like Colin de Grandhome in English conditions, right? Late in summer. The dilemma would be, we already have for the quartet, you know, the undroppable quartet. Trent Bold, Neil Wagner, Tim Saudi, Kyle Jamieson. Now, who do you drop? But you also need the CDG with the bat. So that is going to be our dilemma. But we are... We are glad that we even have that luxury. You know, this is the best team New Zealand has sent overseas that I have seen. All right. I am looking forward to this. Before I move on, the question of we when it comes to New Zealand. How come you refer to New Zealand as we? What is the kinship? No, so, so what happened is I started watching cricket even when I did not have any sense, like I was like an infant watching cricket with my dad, my dad tells stories because that's how I started watching cricket. And I just have, you know, you, you keep doing something from a very small age, but suddenly you have that sense one day and you have that first memory. 
so from from the very first memory that i have that can go back to when i was 4 or 5 years old so that the that first memory is my dad supports india so i ha- i really do like them and saurav ganguly is the captain i really like him but i actually like the my favorite first favorite was rahul dravid we were just but then again i remember supporting new zealand above them so that is my first memory of new zealand my even my dad can't explain how i started liking them they they say that love chooses you so that that's what happened with new zealand and me love wow. new zealand chose me all right so then i think we shouldn't uh, close this section without really discussing your favorite player who's looks like you know he's in a bit of trouble <laughs> at the beginning of the tour even so ross taylor right yeah so he had this uh, injury during uh, the bangladesh odis uh, first odi got injured and he has been like out since but then the calf strain it's just like a normal one he will be okay in a week before uh, they uh, travel to england they'll have uh, training sessions and everything and ross taylor will be able to join that's that's what we are expecting because the coach gary stead and uh, captain kane williamson they are like totally like reliant on ross taylor even though since the world cup uh rostellers form in tests has not been that good even then uh, like the experience in a final is going to like matter a lot because it's rostellers and he's undroppable totally so we have moved on from him in t20s i i really like with a heavy heart i have to admit that he might not be playing in the t20 world cup because he's not played against australia he's not played against bangladesh so that's what we are seeing now but in tests he's definitely going to play and i think he'll be fine in time right in time as i say from your uh, lips to the ears of the gods that your favorite player gets to play the finals of the world test championship yeah ross taylor needs to play so uh, if you were to now take a quick look at uh, the ongoing cricket there are two tests at least this one test ongoing and one that ended very recently i think we should have a quick chat about it so before we go to the test that began today i think we should have a chat about sri lanka's win or bangladesh uh, did you get to uh, see any of this match or because you are a fan of the let's say the test format i'm very curious on your thoughts on this test yeah sri lanka and bangladesh the first the first test so the first test was quite uh, the small to me because what happened there there were a few problems firstly the pitch the pitch everyone saw how it was i'm not taking away the credit like credit from any batsman like uh, several centurions in the game but then tamim iqbal batted in a way that you know every if uh, every other batsman followed his way they could have actually like you know there would have been a slight possibility of a result but then again there were like cases of bad light stop play in candy so what happened is they had floodlights but it was like decidedly decided that the floodlights won't be used so that happened again in the second test but this time in the second test it happened on the fourth day and tamim iqbal what he did like literally what how he played the first three innings he played the last innings in the same way he, he but he got out in a hurry he, he wasn't able to do it he got out in a hurry and the very time he should have actually stayed and the rest of the bangladesh batting just just crumbled down and there was pravin jaya vikrama doing the uh, you know uh, he was he did what he could for sri lanka it's just a brilliant debut i mean going for him like it was a he did not play the first test and sri lanka decided because mickey arthur is a very uh, i i would say he likes to win he he's working with youngsters he's just like if you are a coach international coach you take some time to build a team like sri lanka's and many a times uh, the seniors have not been available so now building a team has become very difficult now a youngster comes in now how you handle him his of course the talent is there we have seen lasith embuldenia been doing so well for the past two years but embuldenia was not there and we know sri lanka's uh, advantage in home tests and of course there's bangladesh bangladesh is asian i wouldn't say a overseas team but uh, even then they used it uh, to their best despite losing those overs on the fourth uh, fourth day but then that that was bangladesh's batting flaw the first day was very easy to bat on but from the second day it started turning it really started turning so that's when bangladesh should have you know 
decided to actually Sri Lanka got to bat first and that was a good thing but then yeah Bangladesh should have planned better for the last innings that's what went against their way I would say but a brilliant debut debut from Jaya Vikrama indeed so I I'm just uh, looking forward to watch Embuldenia and Jaya Vikrama just destroy batsmen at home it's going to happen very soon a couple of things uh, you really nicely covered the important points as far as this test goes i don't think praveen jayavikrama is good enough to challenge top flight sides even in sri lanka he is a very good bowler and what he achieved on debut is really really miraculous as far as getting 11 wickets five fours in both innings that's all fantastic to hear right and indeed he won a test and what you said he was a, probably like a net bowler who would come to you know get the batsman warmed up there you go you are going to play a test match and in this case look i don't take anything away from that youngster he's done really well but what i saw of the final two days i can definitely tell you he's an honest good bowler and of course he'll grow he'll grow into a good international bowler right but as he stands him and lasit embuldenia bowling simultaneously against pakistan against india one of the other subcontinent nations who are good at playing spin they'll take them apart so in this case what played against bangladesh was their impatience if you look at their last innings together it's very clear what happened there yeah. because what jayavikrama did was pitch the ball in the good length region make sure he kept hitting those lengths make sure he brought the close in fielders into play and all bangladesh did was play into his own hands so yes i'm going to give tamim ikbal a pass here because he's done fantastically well in the series as a batsman as a skipper Yeah, the way he batted in the first test, it's like commendable. It's commendable when you could have genuinely just stayed there for as long as you want and just keep getting those runs. Like just take singles, like uh, play like in his own leisure. But then he did not do that. He was playing for the team. But then when you're playing for the team, of course, that's that's his style of batting. Also, I wouldn't say that the players who are like have lower strike rates are not like. their intent obviously i'm not questioning i'm just saying that his model given the pitch was not had nothing for the bowlers in the first test his model was the best but then his model was the worst uh, in the last innings it was like no way bangladesh could have uh, saved but then uh, saved the test but then if you see like the bad light like in hindsight if you see that the bad light thing came into play uh, if tamim had batted on it would have been really interesting to see like a very interesting final day of test and it's you know it's the best when you see a, a team trying to defend and like give give their all into defending on the last day final day batting those overs that's the beauty of test cricket right so that could have been achieved that that's what we missed out on look i mean they were five down going into the last day and if anything i think i was expecting tamim to settle down having sort of 30 40 balls of his own stuff common sense kicking in playing for the close of play looking to play into the second day or the last day right in this case that didn't happen what i blame bangladesh is for is top 6 7 getting into double digits all of them nobody even making a 50 you need somebody to just anchor you know you're not going to chase these runs these runs are not going to be chaseable it's even an indian victory in gaba is not going to happen here right you're going to buckle down you're going to just block the overs out and don't go south africa ala in their indian visit where they blocked 128 overs or whatever for 128 runs don't do that keep it realistic but in this case that's the problem and that's where i saw the impatience a little bit of impatience creep, creeping in when it came to bangladeshi batsmen for example the way nazmul hasan shanto was worked out by jayavikrama the way mushfiqur rahim was worked out so by the way the ball that tamim ball got could have gotten a lot of good batsmen out it was a beautiful ball it was one of those balls as a spinner i am a spinner myself you would really wish to bowl at a left hander right it dipped it turned right at the good length and you had to play it you could not let it go and he nicked it so in this case tamim ikbal is the only one that gets a pass in my book saif hasan yeah he did his bit but still his model of batting is the way brandon mcculum batted in his farewell test when he actually like he scored amazingly well but then it it didn't work in favor of our team so you know that's what but then again these players who who stayed on for such a long time in the first test they could have actually you know stayed on when it actually mattered 
because Tamim Iqbal plays his own model of uh, test cricket. You cannot ask him to change it. So that's what I would say. That that's the takeaway from the series. There's an ODI series coming up in Bangladesh. So this was this test series was basically supposed to be held last year. So this was held this year. Now they have the ODIs in Bangladesh. So again, a different like we'll get to see Banindu Hasaranga again in his prime. <laughs> Yeah. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Indeed, I mean, so am I. By the way, I mean, he's a very exciting cricketer, uh, leg break bowler, one of my own, and uh, somebody who bowls a very good googly. So very nice to see. And the hand, handy with the bat. So. Oh, as well, for sure, for sure. Yeah. And coming to the. It's so well against West Indies. Indeed, I don't see him winning tests for Sri Lanka, but as a limited overs cricketer, he's really good. That's a ODI. I'm talking about the ODIs. Indeed. So in this case, let's move on to the other ongoing test, Pakistan versus Zimbabwe, the second of the series. First one, Pakistan have won quite comfortably, but in the second test, well, Pakistan looked like they were going to go into close, and a 300 for one, 300 for two. Zimbabwe really up against it, but I was really enthused to see the way Muzarabani, who's been, I mean, hailed yeah. as the next bright hope as far as Zimbabwean cricket is concerned, the way he came back. So after they took the new ball. The, the last 10 hours of the day, he was sharp, incisive, and through the day, between him and Angarawa, they got fantastic lift off the pitch. They're both very tall people, especially when you see them even walk past somebody like Azhar Ali. Forget somebody like Abid Ali or somebody who's very short. Somebody like Azhar Ali, who's of, let's say, medium height. This guy is like towering. He's very tall. He's Viloy. He reminds you of a Bruce Reed back in the day, Angarawa. And maybe Muzarabani of a McGrath. I mean, it's a comparison when it comes to height. No, Muzarabani is... Uh, 6'8". Good gods. That's holder height, isn't it? 6'8", Muzarabani and Kyle Jamieson. They are the tallest the test cricketers, right? So, so is holder, I think. Holder is 6'8". Is he? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's for the statisticians, not for us. But as far as I'm concerned, the way he bowled, he might have as well invoked one of his namesakes, uh, at least in case of holder. He bowled exactly those beautiful test lengths. Just back of a good length, where as a batsman, if you go front, you are a little behind and If you go back, it's coming to your neck. And in fact, he hit enough people on the head. I remember Sajid Khan, towards the end of the day, he got like a crunch on his, I think, neck. Uh, it hit his uh, visor. It looked very nasty there. I mean, as a batsman, remember those things if it happened to you. And Azhar Ali, and basically to begin with, Azhar Ali and Abid Ali played fantastically. Again, a short ball got rid of Imran Butt, who looks... Really not really equipped against a shorter ball. Against a much faster attack, God willing, on a much faster pitch. He's going to be found out much sooner. But that's for him to work, I guess, on in the nets with uh, Yunus Khan, his batting coach. But he got found out by Ngarawa, who was sort of, you know, setting him up by bowling to across him. Then one that came in and then one that came at his neck. This is a three, four card trick that we even expected our club level. It happened. And he was not ready for it. And he hooked it. It went straight to short mid-wicket where... Somebody from Midon came and took a very good catch. But then what happened was another yeah, 236 runs of partnership between Azhar Ali, Abid Ali. Abid Ali is like an old school test cricketer. To give an example of your team, Mark Richardson type cricketer, who would stick there, continue to block, 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 has all the strokes, mind you, but will not play those strokes. right? And then he denied himself. You could see it. Even... Even in the 90s, he was quite comfortable there. He was quite comfortable simply blocking the balls. Yeah. Azhar Ali went past him, got to 100. This guy is comfortably staying there. Old school, old school cricketer. Very nice to see. And he got to 100. Yeah, because there's plenty of time to bat. There's plenty of time to bat. You don't need to hurry there. I mean, uh, with Zimbabwe, I the way they played against Afghanistan in UAE in March, it was really good to see. And But the... The point there is they had Sean Williams. Uh, Zimbabwe don't have Sean Williams right now. They are missing out on Sikandar Raza. There is no Craig Arbine. So the, like the entire core is absent. Now, that, that's one reason that they have struggled so much. But Muzarabani has been so, so good. Like he also like he batted well with Sean Williams in Afghanistan. So that even that can be explored. There, there's, there's obviously a chance for Zimbabwe to come out of this, but this series is all, already like it looks done and dusted because there's such a huge score that they are going to be, you know, given. So I, I don't think like them recovering from it. A huge uh, scoreboard pressure is. I don't think the team has it in 
themselves. Like a huge partnership, like what Azhar and Abid had. That's not possible here, even with Brandon Taylor, because he has not shown that kind of a, a you know, a form recently. Uh, it looks like, at least at this point in time, uh, it looks beyond them that they might be able to win this test. But I mean, for us as Test match fans, we really hope for an exciting contest. Whoever comes out as the winner, we really hope it's Zimbabwe because we like to support the underdogs. But on all the reasons that you have <laughs> just listed out, it's very difficult. You know, when it comes to Pakistan, well, at least Babar Azam didn't want to score any runs against Zimbabwe by the looks of it in tests. He was happy to give his wicket away easily. And there was a bit of collapse, a mini collapse once the new ball was taken. And uh, Pakistan finished on 268 for four. They're still well ahead as far as the game is concerned. If they have 300, 350 on the board in the first innings, I think they're in a good position. They have a very capable test attack. They have Tabish Khan making a debut, a sprightly 36-year-old. Yeah, it's so weird. I, I would like to point this out that a retired Alistair Cook, who retired at 34, he was playing for Essex today. I mean, he did not bat very well, but then he scored a century in the last match. Uh, these two innings have been rather like forgettable, but then a player who is 36 year old is making a debut and not just a player, he's a seamer. So, so you know, he's making his debut at 36 and then Alistair Cook at 36 is retired and playing for his county. But then Tabish was uh, like given his cap by Mizbah, who of course, again, he's a batsman. So, he peaked. He had that luxury to, you know, peak at uh, 35 and above. But uh, Tabish, I don't know like what's going to happen there. But 500 plus uh, FC wickets, it's really like uh, he's finally getting rewarded, I would say. I don't know how tactical that is, but let's see. Well, I would say it's a culmination of a career well well handled and at the end, getting the reward at the very end. I mean, to answer your question, well, Alistair Cook actually, as nearly as an under-19 player, was flown out to play in India. And we know the rest is history, right? And somebody who starts that early has faced the pressures of international cricket that early. We've seen it in terms of many players like that, right? Michael Vaughan, uh, who's also been the captain, that's what I mean. Michael Vaughan. Uh, Michael Clark, for example, tend to take a backseat earlier. They tend to go back into their own. They want to enjoy the rest of life when they're still younger, right? It's it's not it's not a surprise at all. We might even, I dare say, see a certain Virat Kohli do things like this because he started very early himself. Let's not forget it. Because at 21, an international cricketer called Anil Kumble said he's the most prepared 21-year-old that he has ever seen. That's a very big compliment to be given to anybody. I see most of these players uh, retiring at their peak. Right. So, even Alistair Cook, the way he batted in the last test against India, I mean, it was so heartbreaking to see just like, I, I knew that he's now, now it's over, it's over, it's over. But then it's so difficult to, you know, just process that he won't be playing another game. If I were to go into real life outside of cricket, Alistair Cook is a man of the earth. He's a farmer at heart. When he has free time, he goes, helps out at his wife's farm. That's what we read. I mean, at the end of his wedding, he left on a tractor back to his home, not in a big fancy car, right? That's who Alistair Cook is. And these people have a very good, let's say, understanding of themselves and also what they want out of life. And I think I think the English system also provides for people like this to come back into their system and contribute. This is a fantastic thing. In spite of the money they may have earned, this is beside the point. If they have the hunger to come back into the system and contribute, which Sir Alistair Cook is doing, that's fantastic to see. And one day, I dare say we might see a Sir Jimmy Anderson do it. Yeah, that that's inevitable. That's going to happen. In any case, we really hope at least people like uh, these um, Tabish Khan, who've had a long storied career at the domestic level, have gotten a chance to shine at the international level. What they do, what they don't do doesn't come into it. It's a just reward for a career that has been going on long but has done so well. So, we wish Tabish Khan all the best on his debut. There are a couple of interesting other stories we might want to look at off the field. So, first one is South Africa's uh, Cricket uh, Association. Now, at least is not under the threat of de-recognition anymore. So, the sports minister has withdrawn his notice so that at least the board will not be de-recognized as the body that runs cricket in the country and they are still going to be funded by the government and all ICC. So, I'm hoping this is a good uh, development. Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, uh, the interim board that there is there under Graham Smith, it's, they had 
a similar sort of a situation last year. Uh, so that basically it's a, a continuation. It's a follow up from that event. So last year also the sports ministry had given them this uh, deadline that you have to prove us, and it was sorted for that point. And now that when ICC understands that the government is uh, you know meddling with a private organizations business, which is a cricket board, they are going to you know take a step there. It happened with Zimbabwe, and thankfully they are out of it. But uh, imagine like South Africa just losing their status and. that did not happen that's a very good thing and sorted for now but it's still uh, not a permanent board it's still an interim board and they are still like the ad- administration the flaws that there are there in uh, you know the teams across africa i would say there's uh, south africa there's zimbabwe we have seen the problems so it's not going to go away at this like very moment but it's really good to see that nothing is happen going to happen to south african cricket i mean uh, what green smith has been doing it's a great great job because uh, despite australia walking out like just uh, denying just refusing to come and england walking out they have pulled themselves up they did uh, host sri lanka in december they are not the preferred board see that that's one issue that's going to happen but like just cricketing way in a cricketing way they are doing a good job and i'm great like i'm happy that south africa are, you know still there i mean they should play south africans cricket should stay they are going nowhere He, especially with the prospect of uh, avd players coming back well i mean i'll park that on the side because i have some uh, i have some strong thoughts on it so i'll park that on the side but uh, i mean you're absolutely right in a world cup year uh, we couldn't imagine a world cup without a team like south africa so it's very nice to see that csc has been recognized or re-recognized as the body that runs cricket in the country and we hope these things are sort of pushed under the carpet and uh, there are no such other uh, you know turbulences uh, but uh, well we'll we'll wait and watch on this another news uh, tisara parera has announced his retirement from international cricket a uh, long servant of sri lankan cricket well it might seem to many of us that uh, he didn't fulfill his potential fully Does it also occur to you the same way, Shrithama? Yeah, of course. Like a player like Tisara Pereira, you always want to see him play, and it's uh, he's young. He's thirty-two, I guess. I mean, him leaving uh, at thirty-two, this was not something we expected, and anything that comes as a shock like this, it's hard to process. I mean, even Upul Tharanga retiring this year was difficult for me to process. Like I'm just speaking, like as a fan of the game. and tisara perera who i consider as one of the most entertaining num- number 7 batsman like whenever he plays at number 7 i just find him i just see him as a match winner then or at least some like he's going to do something at number 7 so good to see him like one like i think his best uh you know at least uh, uh, three or four of his innings that i can think of uh, like at number 7 i like really good really really good i mean so i'm just going to miss all that uh i again think that is it's his personal decision so we should respect that and i think he's going to uh, play in different leagues he's not moving away so anytime we want to watch him we can watch those leagues and you know but then again him in sri lankan colors that's something that i'll definitely miss i mean we really hope he continues his career as a cricketer for a few more years but at the end of the day as you said yeah, keep it it's his personal decision and uh, we wish uh, mr parera all the best in his second third fourth innings as they may follow so well in the last of the news that we want to discuss we've heard some good news in terms of nocs being given by bcci for at least four indian international women players mandana rodrigues thor and deepthi well in this case at least there is a chance shefali may also join them so as many as five or six players of the indian women's team i want shefali there i mean just shefali must play that format i mean she is so destructive with the bat she's one of the finest t20 batters right now like very like not just but like finest i would say like the most entertaining and so good to watch her and uh, it's a good thing it's a good step that bcci have taken uh this is a first and i think like first of many as this indeed so it's a very good prospect 
Well, I really hope they get their act together and hold a women's IPL or women's T20 yeah. challenge, as it's called. Yeah. I am more interested women's in that. IPL. Something like an agenda that we have been supporting, and I won't stop supporting it until it happens. And I, I, I believe that it will be a success. Like put in, put in the effort. You will, you will see results. You will see results because, uh, you know, we like a lot of people watch women's cricket, and there's like no doubt to it. and uh, yeah and i'm more looking forward to the test match that india are finally going to play in england so the women's uh, test match and it's 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 the one fixture that i'm looking forward to but it will also coincide with the world test championship final dates that's one thing that i would like to like properly criticize about bcci scheduling it's not fair to the Uh, women cricketers. It's not fair. Well, I agree with you. I mean, they could have held it during any of the other international tests that were going on in England at the same time, right? I mean, maybe it has enough to do with BCCI as well as much as the ECB. So I wouldn't want to blame BCCI entirely. But look, I mean, you want your uh, women's test match to be a marquee event as well, as much as the World Test Championship. Yeah. You don't want these two to clash. So that is not after have... so long. It's been so many years. You have to know it's an important test match. it's an important aspect i totally agree with you there so i mean it has to happen that this generation of indian women cricketers have to play a women's test series even a couple otherwise they don't sort of fulfill their um, let's say their uh, presence at the international level i dare say but anyway going on we have sort of covered all the news that we wanted to cover but uh, there's one final thing it's the final of the tri series that happened between nepal netherlands and malaysia so because we are a podcast based in the netherlands it would be amiss on our side if we didn't really go through this so i'll quickly want to review this so this is a final it happened a couple of weeks ago it must be said so in this case nepal beat netherlands comfortably so if you are a netherlands cricketer or a netherlands cricket supporter it's unfortunate but if you look at the bigger picture well it's fantastic given how associate cricket has grown so in this case nepal batting first made a comfortable 238 for 3 in just 20 overs it's a t20 tournament of course and uh, karan kesi was declared the man of the match because you know the way he bowled he took 3 for 11 of his 3 overs and netherlands as well as they grew in this tournament they even beat nepal once nepal was the really the home team but also the team to beat in the entire tournament malaysia played well but we all expected malaysia would not make the finals all of these matches were you know available live on youtube so it was fantastic to see some live cricket this is also during a lull so in this case at the end it it was sort of inevitable having scored 238 you, you wouldn't expect netherlands to chase that down and they were 96 all out that was a bit of a ramp or a disaster as they call it in dutch so it was unfortunate but nonetheless well done to the nepali team and sandeep lamichan also took two wickets uh, another known name internationally so well done him and well done to nepal first of all for holding this competition the mountain nation is one of the few countries out there which are relatively covid free you could say it was easy but they had a multi team tournament a tri series under these difficult circumstances but they held it and they held it successfully so we congratulate the nepal cricket board on this and well congratulations to the nepal team on winning it all right uh, so before we wrap up our episode we have a we always have a trivia section i'll ask you the trivia question from the previous episode and we'll present the trivia question from this episode so the trivia question from the previous episode was it was still ipl season which bowler has taken the most number of hat tricks in ipl the answer to the question may or may not surprise you is amit mishra who's taken three hat tricks mm. but the trivia question from this episode is you don't have to answer it shritham you can tell me off air of course who was the last spinner before sri lanka's jayavikrama to take a 10 for on debut the clue is that you don't have to look too far if you are in india all right thanks a lot uh, for your participation in this episode but before we let you go I have a question i wanted to ask you this earlier as well but we some up you know skim past it how come you has actually found interest in test match cricket or first class cricket uh again it's it's the same thing it's been like this since the start my dad of course watched test cricket and as far as i can remember i have always loved test cricket so that's what i used to do like even like during school days it was so difficult but then i used to come back from school even before school so uh, people had bedtime i don't remember having a bedtime because i used to watch matches with my dad so that's what happened even for australia the new zealand like 
न्यूजीलैंड टेस्ट मैचेस वाज सो डिफिकल्ट फॉर मी एट द स्टार्ट टू फॉलो बट आई डिड नॉट लाइक यू नो आई डू नॉट सी न्यूजीलैंड एज अ बैक देन आई डिड नॉट सी न्यूजीलैंड एज अ यू नो टेस्ट क्रिकेट टेस्ट क्रिकेट टीम बिकॉज आई वाज मोर इनटू द एशेस एंड एवरीथिंग बट न्यूजीलैंड वर ऑफ कोर्स माय फेवरेट so i tried to watch as much as possible but then i used to wake up early as well at that point 5 uh, and everything so i used to follow every australia's game and that's how and my dad is also a yorkshire fan and we were always yorkshire fans from the start and after stuart broad happened that was very young at a very young age but still after stuart broad happened i just from 2006 i just shifted like i used to i used to support australia in the ashes then i started supporting england in the ashes uh, because of stuart broad then of course i shifted from yorkshire to uh, nottingham later on so that also happened but then in county you do not see any other team as an enemy i do not see them so it's fun to watch but i know i support stuart broad but of course i had that soft corner for yorkshire and somerset so that's what i would say and of course my dad is a huge ranji trophy fan <laughs> so that's uh, that's a part of our household wow thanks for a very elaborate answer thanks a lot for participating in this episode of amchar cricket podcast so in this case it's been a very interesting chat and we hope to have you as a host or a co-host again and again where do our listeners reach out to you uh i am on twitter uh basically the the social media app to follow so my My name is Shritama Panda. S R I T A M A P A N D A. My username is Cricket Pun, which is P U N underscore D U H. So basically, you can just type out Shritama Panda and find me. Fantastic, and I would really wish you all the best in your career going forward. Thanks a lot for having me. Bye bye. Goodbye. This. is the armchair cricket podcast <laughs>